It's so strange for me not to be going to the Old Testament right off the bat. Okay, I, I, we've been in the Old Testament for almost a full year, and, and we're not done. And I, I hope that you understand that the reason we're spending so much time in the Old Testament is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is God's story. It's a, a running narrative, if you will, if you want some literary terms for that. It's a narrative that we're all a part of. And, and by studying and by looking into the, the stories of the Old Testament, we understand more of Jesus' teaching. And then we also understand more about who God is. And then we can tell God's story to other people. Because sometimes I, I think we're intimidated by sharing about God because we ourselves don't have a, for, a firm grasp of the whole story. About how when God created the heavens and the earth and, and he created everything that we see, he looked at it and he said, it is good. God still views creation as good. He still views humanity as good, even though we're lost and we're broken. The, the people that, that we think there's no way God could love them, God loves them the same as he loves you and me because they're part of his creation that he said is good. And, and he wanted to partner with us to to take that message of his love and his goodness to a lost and a dying world. And, and with, you know, without going back and just reliving the whole year, we'll do that in a couple weeks, uh, getting ready to, to go conquer the new year, which coincidentally, we're almost to start Joshua. It's going to be lots of fun. Uh, anyways, no spoilers. All right, which button do I push? Oh, come on. You were working earlier, and now you're not. Okay. All I'm getting are beeps. You ever have that with a computer where all you're getting are beeps? Nothing. All right, so it's frozen up. So I'm going to get to do a lot of this from absolute memory, which could be scary. Getting you plenty of beeps here. That is weird. It's not letting anything work. Huh. And it doesn't have a power button. Oh. There we go. Still nothing. Okay. So I'm going to close that. We're going to pretend like we don't have a screen. <laughs> it's just getting better. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to have the advertisements. It's in the top shelf. I shoved it back when I grabbed a Kleenex earlier. This is just going to be amazing for the people in the podcast because they can't see any of it. So looking at it and, and just being genuine here, 
I, I laid there this morning praying about what to share. And with, with Thanksgiving, it's so easy sometimes to just go back to things that we've always done and, and say the same things about the same things. And I thought, God, I don't want to do that today. And technology is not going to let you see it and read it, which is going to limit us to you hearing it or you maybe taking notes and writing it down. But in the New Testament, Paul tells us, in everything, give thanks. And, and that follows uh, pray without ceasing and rejoice evermore. And in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. And I will tell you, it's in Thessalonians, and I'll butcher the numbers because I'm lisdexic. But I looked at that and I thought, man, that is not a fair message at all. Because if you looked at our prayer list and you know people in our community and you just talk with people on an everyday basis, how horribly unfair that verse is. You mean... I'm going through this and I'm supposed to be thankful. Yeah. But, but preacher, you don't understand. I am going through this. And I'm not putting it there because I want you to fill in your own blank. And I'm going to tell you, yes. Yes, you're supposed to give thanks. Thanks. And if you leave out the two things before it, it's very hard to give thanks because you're supposed to pray without ceasing, which means you stay in communication with God. It doesn't mean you have to have some formal prayer setting. And uh, I, I really am excited for when we get to a section of the Old Testament that deals heavily with prayer because I'm going to unleash uh, my own personal study I've been doing lately. And oh man, it's good stuff. Again, no spoilers, right? Uh, but praying without ceasing, talking to God, inviting God into your everyday moments. When you're ready to rip your kid's head off, invite God into that moment. When you're ready to break the technology in your house because it's playing Christmas music a little too early. I'm just telling you, me and my friends have been fighting Mariah Carey with a vengeance. We have been holding her at bay. We're going to do it for four more days, and then you're on your own, okay? It's kind of a pact that we have amongst ourselves. In my group of brothers, I do life with, I call them my fire team. That's a military term for the guys you're in the foxhole with. And we have been fighting Mariah Carey tooth and nail. And I think Floyd's going to lose first. But his, his wife loves Christmas music more than my wife, which is hard to see. But uh, I came home the other night and Audrey, Denise was gone. And Audrey was working really hard to get dishes done before mom came home. And she turned on Christmas music. And I growled just a little. I let it go. But I told her in no uncertain terms that if Mariah Carey came on, we're shutting it off. We're killing it right there. I mean, the first TV, because big screens will go on sale, it's Black Friday. I love that meme out there that says, we all have big screens, put groceries on sale. But 
But I was looking at it and I thought, man, laying there this morning and, and God was speaking and he said, you know, the, the thing is, is if you're praying without ceasing and you're looking to rejoice, you're, you're trying to find joy in no matter what you're going through, you'll be able to give thanks because you'll have the right attitude. And I think sometimes the, the fundamental element of thanksgiving that we lose sight of is our attitude. And, and I, I know we could very easily divert into to Paul's writings about let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And that was an attitude of humility. But, and it could tie in. I mean, it's right there at the end of the message as well. But what is our attitude? And, and the next screen that would have gone up had technology worked would have this big question of what are you thankful for? And I know where people go. I know where your minds start to go because mine goes the same place. What are you thankful for right now? I'm thankful he doesn't have notes because he'd be up there all day. Not really. If I had notes, this would go shorter. I would chase a lot less rabbits. Yeah, I was waiting. He was going to say something. It was going to be brilliant. Nope, he's not going to do it. Okay. So I began to look at it, and I thought, what, what can we do? And, and my rabbit-chasing mind went to my my wonderful wife getting back from a special ed conference she went to and, and she complained about acronyms. So what are we gonna use? We're gonna use an acronym. And I think one of the fundamental ways that we can recalibrate our attitude towards Thanksgiving is to take a bath. Bath is the acronym we're gonna use. Okay? Now, <clears throat> it was a little bit of a stretch at first for me to think, well, we need a bath. And then I got to thinking about what a bath is. A bath, a bath is not a good bath if you have to do it in a hurry. Does anyone like taking fast baths besides my kids? <coughs> Namely, my boys who, you know, the closest they'll get to walking on water is if they have to take a bath. I mean, there's times I, I, I took a bath. I was the same way. My dad swore I walked on water for a long time because I could go and have bath water running and be in the bathroom for 15 or 20 minutes and come out just as stinking and dirty as I went in. But the rest of the story is, you know, I was ramping my Hot Wheels off the back edge of the tub and letting them run down into the waterfall because that was a lot more fun than taking a bath. And it had a great slope that went up a tile wall. You could get the, the Stingray Corvette that I had would go up eight tiles on the wall. It was impressive. And when I got a little older and did it, I put a dent in the ceiling, had to quit doing that. But a bath, a good bath takes time. And, and an attitude of thanksgiving in every situation you're in will take time. 
And the first thing is you have to believe that God is enough. You have to believe that he is a good father who cares about your best interest and that he is enough. And, and that's a struggle. It really is because a lot of times our immediate wants feel like needs. You know, I really, really want this. And, and that's a hard maturity issue for a lot of us is we still haven't grown out of wants versus needs. Because at, at the end of the day, I have everything I need. I have more than what I need every day. I can walk to the refrigerator and I have food. I can look in the pantry and I have food. Look in the freezer, I have food. And look at my dog. No, okay. We're, we're not going to eat our pets. <clears throat> but I have a shelter, I have a means of transportation. I have more than what I need. But I want things. And that's where I struggle sometimes to believe God is good enough. Because what I want overshadows my gratitude for what I've given, what I need. Because at a very base level, sometimes I don't believe God is enough. God, the, this, this thing that's out in front of me that you've asked me to do, it's so big, there's no way I can do it. Yeah. Believe I'm enough to help you do it. The reason that David slew Goliath wasn't because David thought so much about himself. I can't wait to get to that story. It's because David believed God was enough to take down the giant. So you have to believe. The, the second thing is you have to understand your atonement. Understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And that's all that was required for forgiving your sins was Jesus' death. There's nothing you can do to earn God's goodness. There's nothing you can do. Once you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're not only atoned for, but you're anointed. Which means God has put a covering on you that allows you to see the world differently. You're able to move beyond yourself and see the needs and the, the hurt of other people. But, but pastor, I'm hurting too. Yes, you are. But the difference between you and that person is maybe their sins are not atoned for. And you're called through that anointing to help carry their burden. So we got B and we got A. T. Woo. Trust. It's all going to tie back together. Trust. Do you really trust God? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Another way you can put that is don't lean on your own ability. Ooh, that hurts. 
That hurts because we're raised in a world that says you have to be self-made. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm not saying you don't have to work hard. The Bible's very clear about you don't work, you don't eat. But the Bible's also very clear that you can do infinitely more in the strength of the Lord than you could ever do on your own. You have to trust God and take Him at His word. Trust Him to be who He says He is when He says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. All of your needs. None of you are getting that Lexus with a bow on it, okay? That is not God's plan for you. God's plan is not for me to have a jet. We don't have a runway close enough for the one I want. I'm just kidding. I don't want a jet. I may need a limo just to haul the kids around when they get bigger, but I can get a license for that and have a side hustle. The Buffalo Uber. <laughs> but trust. Trust in God. And I'll tell you where the trust for God is developed. We talked about it in the lessons from the desert. Your trust for God is directly proportionate to how rooted you are in his word. Why are we studying the Old Testament in such depth? Because it's the text that Jesus taught from. It's the life experience that Jesus taught from. And it's also full of truth to teach us about who God is so that we can be rooted. We can be that tree planted by streams of living water that never fails to produce its fruit in season. But you have to trust that God wants to do that in you and through you. And the last thing, <clears throat> the H. You have to be humble. And you have to be hearing. And you have to be helpful. You have to be humbled enough to know that the blessings you have in your life weren't put there by the sweat of your brow. And anyone who wants to challenge that, I'll tell you who makes you breathe your next breath. We talked about that about six weeks ago. Every time you breathe in and breathe out, you're breathing the name of the one who gave you breath, Yahweh. So everything that you did that required breath has someone else lifting it up. Has someone else carrying it. Your best efforts are still carried by the grace of God. You know what's great about that? Is your failures are being carried there too. Every time you fall short and you miss the mark, God's right there to pick you up. You have to be humble. Peter said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. What a, what a beautiful verse for Thanksgiving. We, most of the time we think Thanksgiving is, is simply saying, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know what really is Thanksgiving? 
is when you say, God, thank you. I trust you enough that I'm going to give you this burden. God, I thank you and I trust you enough that I don't have to carry this. I don't have to carry the, the other H that I didn't list there. And it's a hard one. It is heaviness. Because too many people think that the, the Christian life is all rainbows, cupcakes, and unicorns. And once you get saved, everything is easy. And you're going to be blessed with prosperity and goodness. And that is not scriptural. Jesus point blank tells us, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, pastor, that's, that's not a feel-good part of a Thanksgiving message to talk about heaviness. But it's real. How many of you, let's, let's do this. How many of you, raise your hands, have felt heaviness over the last week? I'm telling you, almost every hand in the room goes up because we're called to carry some of that heaviness. And people will not like this because it's not the, the popular teaching of the American church, and I really don't care. I, I, I preach the Word of God. The Word of God says in Galatians 6, 2, to carry one another's burdens. Ouch. You, you mean... I've got to pray for the people on our prayer list more than Sunday morning? You betcha. I've got to think about some of the horrible things they're going through and their families going through and how it makes my heart sad and it hurts me? Yes, absolutely. Because then and only then you'll be like Jesus who when he was riding into Jerusalem, he looked out on Jerusalem and he was moved with compassion. If you don't ever feel the heaviness of someone else's burden, you will not be moved with compassion. And you will not be drawn to them to lift them up and to help carry their weight like you're called to. You'll not really feel the overwhelming movement of compassion to go speak the words of life from the gospel to help change their situation. You know, you may not be able to go talk to somebody that's, that's dying of cancer and boom, they suddenly get healed. But guess what? If they don't know Jesus and you go talk to them and you share the truth of the gospel and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you have changed their eternity because you carried a little bit of heaviness. The other thing about carrying the burdens of others, it often helps us to look at our own and realize they're not so bad. It changes our attitude. Because, and I hate throwing the word compare out there because comparison is a very dangerous thing to work with. It's a thief of joy. But when you look at somebody who is who's not as blessed as you and you're moved with compassion, you begin to operate in the Spirit of God. Because what was the first thing that we said? You have to believe that God is a good Father who cares about His children. Guess what? When you see their need and, and you're moved with compassion, you begin to do what Jesus said when he talked to his disciples. He said, whenever you've done it to the least of these, 
the people that the rest of the world considers the least deserving of, of my mercy. When you reach out to them and you meet their needs, it's just like you did it to me. Jesus fully acknowledged in that teaching that he never went naked. He never went hungry. He never went without what he needed. And it's really interesting because there's another passage in Scripture where Jesus talks about he doesn't have a home in this world. Because even foxes have dens to sleep in, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And that wasn't a complaint. That was an acknowledgement of, I don't need the best this world has to offer. Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights without food. Can you imagine if he did that leading up to Thanksgiving dinner? I'm not trying to make too light of this, but can you imagine how Jesus, after 40 days and 40 nights, would have plowed through a Thanksgiving dinner? I mean... I would. You make me go 40 hours without food. Sometimes 40 minutes. But God has called us to slow down. And not just in this season, but in every season of life. The world is going to kick you in the teeth first thing tomorrow morning. Actually, it's probably hitting your email right now pre-Black Friday sales. Get your Black Friday shopping done on whatever color they're calling Thursday now. Which, you know, Wednesday's next. They'll take it. You know, Cyber Monday's about to jump to the Monday before Black Friday. I'm, that's just the nature of our world. They can't help themselves. They want it now. They want it fast. They want it easy. I'm telling you, true gratitude doesn't come fast and it doesn't come easy. Because you really have to stop and look at yourself and take a good look at God and who He is to you. And I think a lot of us, if we do that, we would be just like Isaiah. And we would say, woe is me. I'm undone because the Lord of hosts is who he is and I am who I am. I'm a man of unclean lips amongst a people of unclean lips. I'm telling you, it's easy to get swept up in everything else and spend five minutes at the table being thankful and then move on to football and your Black Friday war plans. Church, be diligent about it. Make it an attitude that you have every day. Let your gratitude be like a nice long bath. And here's the thing about when you really get grateful and, and you allow God His rightful place. He brings peace. God never shows up without bringing peace. If you invite Him into every situation with that prayer that doesn't end, that rejoicing that 
you're not alone, that God is with you. And you give thanks. God, thank you that you didn't bring that 12-point buck across my path. Because I'd have probably shot myself in the foot with buck fever. God, thank you that I'm going through a trial because it's letting me learn more about you and more about myself. God, thank you that I have more than enough and I can share with someone who's hurting. God, thank you for loving me when I'm unlovable. God, thank you for giving me opportunities to hear your word. Thank you for giving me opportunities to share your word. God, thank you for the people that drive me crazy. God, thank you for the people who love me no matter what. On my best day, thank you. And on my worst day, thank you that I lived through it. It's all about an attitude. Your attitude is the fundamental element of thanksgiving. Heavenly Father, thank you.